The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Lower Decks, called A Mathematically Perfect Redemption. I'm Don Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Star Trek t-shirt or mug or phone case featuring our great uh, artwork that has been done for us, uh, of us as members of Starfleet, by visiting sqpn.com slash merch. And you can see the t-shirt uh, right about here, if you're watching us on YouTube, where you can now watch the show, our our show, on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash StarQuest. StarQuest Media. That might be StarQuest Media. I'm still, still getting used to it. I'm trying to remember the, uh, the link. It's the link StarQuest is in the sh- Media, yes. Yeah, the link is in the show notes as well. Uh, stick around to the end of the episode where we're going to have some uh, listener feedback with some great listener feedback. And uh, another show on the network you are sure to enjoy is called Secrets of Technology. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology. But now let's uh, talk about this uh, Lower Decks episode. Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens? And now for something completely different. (laughs) This week, we flash back to the final episode of season one, where the Exocomp crew member Peanut Hamper, abandoned with with her mathematically perfect name, Peanut Hamper, abandons the Cerritos rather than go on the dangerous mission that got Shax killed. After the battle, she's stranded in a debris field, but builds her in space, but builds herself a primitive engine using the debris. When Drukmani junk raiders show up, she uses the engine to go to a nearby planet inhabited by primitive bird people. Initially, she's very dismissive and sarcastic of the bird people, but then she starts to see things differently and even falls in love with Rauda, the son of the village leader. She and Rauda are about to get married, uh, but as that's happening, the Drukmani show up and start tractoring up ancient spaceships that belong to the bird people's ancestors. The spaceships are underground, so tractoring them out threatens to overturn all the trees in which the bird people live. Having realized the need for self-sacrifice, Peanut Hamper sends out a distress call, expecting to be taken into custody and sentenced to a Federation penal colony for having abandoned the Cerritos in an emergency. The Cerritos hears the distress call, but before it can arrive, Peanut Hamper rises to the occasion and saves the day by sabotaging the Drukmani ship. The Cerritos arrives in time to see this act of redemption, and they offer to reinstate Peanut Hamper and Starfleet. But the Drukmani take control of one of the Bird People ships and use it to attack the Cerritos. They then reveal that they were invited to the planet to take the ships by Peanut Hamper and told that they could take the ships with no resistance. Peanut Hamper then confesses that this was all a ruse to get the to get Starfleet to see her act of redemption and reinstate her. She's really as selfish and sarcastic as she ever was, and she has no intention of helping out with the present situation. 
Rauda, the son of the village leader, then takes command of another ancient bird people ship and defends the Cerritos. In the end, Peanut Hamper is confined to the Daystrom Institute storage unit for self-aware megalomaniacal computers, where she meets Ajimus, a similar computer we met in Season 2, and they begin making evil plans together. The end. What did y'all think of this one? And it's... uh... It was different. I mean, we didn't see, we don't see the Cerritos crew basically apart from that very beginning part till most of the way through the episode. And mm-hmm. it's dominated by Peanut Hamper and her personality. What'd you think of that? I was fine with it. I thought it was a fun episode. Mm. How would you, you find know, it? I, I was two thirds of it, shall we say? I like yeah. the beginning. The beginning, you know, of course, you, you see what happened to Peanut Hamper from her view. And you get kind of the, the castaway thing where she's building the ship. And, and I, I, I like that part. I like the ending. You know, I've got the coffee mug for the self-aware, megalomaniacal <laughs> computer storage. Yep. You know, I, I like that part with Jeffrey Combs, by the way, revoice, voicing Agilus yes. again. Um, I like that. The whole part on the planet. Uh, no. Uh, I, yeah, I, I agree. There was, there was a, a, a good, a lot of good funny bits. There's some interesting stuff going on. They keep going up to that line of certain things. And there was there was a couple of bits where I was like, I, I didn't need to see that. That was a little more than they needed yeah. to do. Um, and uh, it, they, I mean, didn't, it, they didn't show anything graphic. No, no. I mean, yeah, you, they, the, that would really cross the line. But yeah, they went as close to that line as, as you could possibly they, go. So they yeah. hinted very heavily. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, not not to my taste. Let's just put it that way. It was it, it, it was right there with the Mugato episode for me in that respect, which is unfortunate because oh. it was there was stuff in it that I liked. The Mugato episode had a scene that was over the top, mm-hmm. and this yeah. was not that. I mean, we shouldn't mislead. I mean, we want to avoid potentially misleading listeners by always comparing things to the Mikado episode and they'll think it's that intense. And it's not, no, it's not that intense. No, but I mean, my opinion is I, I put it in the same category yeah. as in it went too far in, in that particular, that's just my opinion that every, mm-hmm. anyone can have another opinion, but I just felt like, because, and I felt like it detracted from the good stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was unfortunate from, from my well, point I mean, of view. Well, you know, last week we had feedback about not warning parents about episodes. Well, this is definitely a parental warning episode. Well, lower well, decks we, in general we are parental discretion. You know? yeah. We already yeah. slapped a parental warning over the entire series. Yeah, so. it's yeah. it's not a kid show. Um, so I, I did like that beginning, as you mentioned. You know, the 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 recall of that first season finale where uh, she refuses to sacrifice herself to save the rest of the crew. And which is kind of an interesting aspect to, you know, even though she's uh, uh, a, a machine, she's sentient. And therefore, why should she have to sacrifice herself? That's sort of that idea. And uh, so you see from her point of view, where she abandons the ship, they manage to get out of things and leave her behind. And she's like, what? And, uh, and so then she has to, um, save herself that she's trying to do she builds a you mentioned castaway father Corey. she builds a a sort of a a, a wilson for herself a uh, another yep. exit cop that she talks Sophia. to except yeah. it's not an it, it, it's, it's not a real one it, yeah it's not a real one like like wilson the beach ball or whatever he was mm-hmm. yeah. the exocomp is like a rock that's had things you know strapped to it to make it look kind of like an exocomp yeah. that's right that's right um 
And then we have this, uh, you know, the Drukmani show up and she has to get away and ends up crashing on this other planet. And, uh, and then my note here is, is, you know, as she's talking to them, is she violating the prime directive? And that actually becomes a plot point. This mm-hmm. question is, is peanut hamper violating the prime directive? Um, and we find out technically not since they are, they, they were a space species. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They had, they had warp capable ships that were buried. Then they had given that up. They had decided yes. they, they, they want to pull up. They were tired of the, the wars and battles in the, in space. Essentially like the, uh, the Polynesian people of Moana, right? You know, the Voyagers, mm-hmm. they, they buried their ships. That's what it made me think of. Um, so the, the people that she's found by are the Ariori who recall the Aurelians of the animated series. And mm-hmm. in fact, I like that Peanut Hamper calls that out and says, they're like a, you're like a poor man's Aurelians, which is <laughs> funny. Uh, so, you know, you get, you got to, uh, you got to put, put, put something right on it. And yeah, I like how, I like how on this planet, all of absolutely all of the animals have wings. Yes. So, yep. so we see in the background, these people are farming pigs with wings and, <laughs> and goats with wings and turtles have wings and snakes have wings. In fact, there are sky snake attacks and peanut hamper calls that out. And it's like, wait, if everything here flies, why do you call it a sky snake and not just a snake? (laughs) I love that because that's a that's an old sci fi trip, right? Like you Mm -hmm. have space fever. Well, I'm in space. You know, we all live in space. It's just a fever. (laughs) So I like that. (laughs) Um, I I, I frequently watch uh, videos by um, Sabina Hassenfelder, who's a a physicist, and she she explains her channel is like science without the gobbledygook on YouTube. And she'll frequently talk about new technologies and stuff. And then you can install this in your space house. (laughs) 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 So meanwhile, peanut hamper is just so obnoxious and condescending all all the time to everyone. uh, Until we have, you know, we have the, the village elder who rescues her and believes in her while everyone else is fearful uh, but and then his son, who is, you know, the, the warrior and the heir who also kind of rejects her. But then she heals somebody of a mm-hmm. uh, of a simple illness and she heals the elder who gets bit by the sky snake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she does other things even before that, um, where she's actually even though she's being sarcastic to these people, she's actually helping them. Right. Mm-hmm. She uh, she helps the young to hatch like they usually mention, you know, mentions that we usually lose most of our, ha- our brood of hatchlings and only a few survive. She's like, oh, well, just do this. And she's like scans them with something and they all hatch and survive, which it's usually bad for a bird species to help them hatch. But that's OK. <laughs> we can Well, <laughs> even if even if you did have members of your species unable to get out of the shells on their own, it's like, have you guys ever heard of a rock? You know what you can <laughs> right. do with those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could break them open. Um, and so then we have like this f- falling in love with uh, Rauda, the chieftain's son, and the whole relationship thing. And they eventually uh, <laughs> I, I, go I to get married. The, I love the bit where they're flying together and he's like, peanut hamper, you make me you make me want to sing. <laughs> and then he starts yeah. singing and it's this bird call <laughs> yeah. <you know>? yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like oh you're still doing that <laughs> yeah, yeah. well at first she's like holy smokes you scared me with that <laughs> that was very startling because <laughs> it was like Rah! yeah it was that was good um so yeah they uh 
they were a spacefaring species. And he takes her to this cave and she sees the the spaceships blow there. And I guess that's where she hatches this idea, no pun intended, to betray mm. them uh, to the to the Drukmani um, mm-hmm. in exchange yeah. for, you know, getting out of there, I guess. And uh, and so I wonder, like, was she really? Well, she's she's doing a double scam. So yeah. she's scamming the 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 bird people by bringing in the Drukmani and she's scamming the Drukmani by bringing in Starfleet. Right. And her real target, her her ultimate mark is, I mean, she is is Starfleet. She wants yes. this mm-hmm. mathematically perfect redemption that she's worked out for herself. Right, right, because if she can be the savior of the of the Rauda against the Drukmani, then she will have redeemed herself for failing to save the Cerritos earlier. Right, right, right. That's what that was. Um, so we have this, yeah, so we have this species that's interesting. They they voluntarily became primitive because they were tired of war. And so they have these ships that were more advanced than Starfleets even. Uh, and and by the way, if you do decide that you want to go back to the, to the land and be hippies, okay, fine. But don't bury your spaceship because you decided you don't like wars. That means you are aware that there are wars in space and <laughs> they could come to your new commune. And so don't bury the ships. <laughs> right. You may need them in the future. It, it actually, it's funny, the serendipity, because I just recorded an episode of Secrets of Movies and TV shows on uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, where a bunch of uh, spoilers oh, yeah. for a for a 16 year 18 year old movie or whatever it is, um, they abandon the modern world to live in a recreation of a 19th century village because of the evil of the modern world. And then they're all, they're all dying of common ailments because they they didn't bring modern medicine with them. Uh, So it's sort of a a similar thing where, you know, they've abandoned, you know, modernity for primitive and now they're all dying of all these very common ailments and that sort of stuff. So uh, yeah, you know, if you, it's one thing to go back to the land, it's another thing to idealize Mm. a previous primitive time. Uh, which they do. Um, so that's when about the time that the Drukmani show up and the Drukmani captain is another old Star Trek hand that we are familiar with, played by J.G. Oh, yeah. Hertzler. Oh, yes. Uh, Ge- General Martok. Martok. Yeah, yeah. Martok. Yeah. Yeah. General Martok. Yeah. In uh, Deep Space Nine. So uh, nice to have him back on the show. Uh, I, I like how when he shows up and gets on the phone to talk to the Cerritos and it, he's explaining that they were invited there by peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah we i forget i didn't go back and look but what was it why did she get that name peanut hamper was like oh, a no, random? she she had no she had con- she had concluded that she didn't want any ordinary random name so she she did extensive research and and com- calculated that peanut hump under peanut hamper is a mathematically perfect name okay yes and and so it was a joke in the original you know they're building up what should we call you and she said well i've calculated this mathematically perfect name what is it peanut hamper (laughs) (laughs) and they call that back when she's in the in in the storage unit for computers where uh ajima says to her Peanut Amber, that's a mathematically perfect name. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I, and I love Tendi's reaction when they first brought, when she first revealed the name. She kind of looks and goes, I love it. You know, yes. with her, you know, her perky <laughs> attitude, you know. Yeah. 
the perky tendy. Uh, and so we don't see the Cerritos, like we mentioned before, until 16 minutes into this episode, which is an interesting mm-hmm. variation on the the premise mm-hmm. of the show. You know, it's it's fine. They're trying new things. So, so um, it could work. That works uh, as far as that, that goes, that, the, you know, not seeing our main characters that we have come to know. So uh, it, it was if you have a good enough um, interesting characters, otherwise, and Peanut Hamper is an interesting premise to look at so that 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 worked uh part of it did um so um peanut is now redeeming itself by by going on a mission to save and redeem others and so uh she gets on board this drukmani shuttle and crashes it into the drukmani ship and you know ends up stunning and and i'm thinking to myself the drukmani on the ship were they in like so they must not have expected this to be the scam they are the second of the three marks. They yeah. so the 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 bird people don't know what's going to happen. The Drugmani don't know what's going to happen, yeah. and the Federation doesn't know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. They're all it's 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 a triple layer con game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as audience, you know, we we don't find out until the very end mm-hmm. as well. So it worked it worked out. Um, and uh, at one point, she wants to. Uh, does she does she actually say she wants to bring Rauda along as her husband on the Starfleet? No, no she's she's very down on that. Um, once they make the offer, um, he takes the initiative to say, is there room on your ship for a loving husband? And she's immediately starts downplaying that idea. Oh, no, you couldn't leave your people, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. right, right. That's right. Um, and that's where we the things start to unravel a bit. Uh, and we find out about Peanut Hamper's betrayal of of everyone. Yeah. Uh, it, incidentally, notice how the notice how the, how re- reasonable the Drukmani are when they show up. They they beam down and they say, "We're here to claim salvage rights, and we plan to extract these ships and then leave in peace." Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they just, they're not they're not violent warriors trying to come in here and raid people. They they've been invited and they we're here to claim the salvage rights. We'll extract the ships and leave in peace. And the and the only problem is that the ships are underneath the trees that the villages people are living have on. Foolishly built over them. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is kind of playing on the audience expectation of the Drugmani being you know bloodthirsty you know warrior types who don't care about others and and. That sort of thing. So, um, yeah. In fact, you know, we kind of should have seen a little bit of how, uh, I mean, we obviously saw a little bit of Peanut Hamper's uh, attitudes earlier and, you know, it hasn't changed. Not just when mm-hmm. it betrayed the Cerritos in the first season episode, but even like when the Drukmani first show up and they start, you know, salvaging the ship that she's building, she throws her little, like, Wilson companion, her fake Hexacom yes. companion. Yep into their, their their works to gum them up to give her time to escape so uh, i thought that was a, a little bit a little bit of foreshadowing there of, of of her attitudes it is though it's undone by the fact i mean she can be as rotten as you want at the beginning of the episode but then we mm-hmm. see her go on this redemption journey yeah where she becomes progressively appears to become progressively more and more reasonable and loving right yep. right so uh and that's about it you know at the end when everyone figures out 
what's going on. She's sent to the uh, the Daystrom Institute's self-aware megalomaniacal computer storage, which, again, is is a is a fun concept because in Star Trek, they're always running across megalomaniacal yeah. self-aware computers. And uh, and we get to see the Jeffrey Combs again, which I my guess is predictions. Mm-hmm. We yep. will see them again. <laughs> yep. Yes. Uh, Probably and, yeah. likely next season rather than this. Is yeah. my guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Uh, anything else about this episode uh, you want to call out? Uh, any fun stuff you want to mention? If, uh, well, I, I loved how, you know, being just like, oh, no, there must be a mistake. I didn't I didn't send the message. We have the recording. <laughs> yes. yeah. Come yeah. to this planet. You can do it. There won't be any any violence. There won't be any resistance. Any resistance. Right, mm-hmm. right. That's right. That's it. How about you, Jimmy? Uh, at one point, she, after her plan has been exposed and she has decided she's not going to help with the current situation again, um, she she threatens them all with assimilation by the Borg. She's like, the Borg will love me. I'm sending a transmission to them right now. You're all going to be assimilated. Resistance is futile. And they just <laughs> yeah. like, and she's stuck up a little antenna that she's using to transmit and Shax just like folds it down again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was good. Oh man. So um, I guess that's it. So uh, we were, uh, we had some feedback I wanted to share with you all. And uh, the feedback comes from Ryan via email who writes, uh, hello crew. I wanted to share my thoughts on the inconsistencies of replicators in Star Trek. As we discussed in our last episode, uh, number 228, Hear All, Trust Nothing. We all know replicators work on transporter technology, so theoretically, they'd all be the same. My headcanon for this issue of this is the best replicator ever situation is similar to today's television sets. While all TVs sold today work the same in our HD and 4K, etc., a nice name brand TV produces a much better quality picture as compared to a cheap model. I'd like to think Starfleet's replicators replicators have much higher fidelity and can produce a better quality replication as compared to something you'd find like on a Klingon garbage scow. Maybe in the future really is you get what you pay for, but I still prefer my gach fresh. As hmm. you should. As you should. Yeah. It reminds me of an episode of the sitcom community where the study group is is joking about one of their members, Britta, having a cheap knockoff smartphone and it's it's got like a retractable antenna on it you know one of those telescoping antennas (laughs) and she says hey this is a totorola at at which point it sparks and catches on fire (laughs) (laughs) great great comedic timing now now admittedly i'm a little more cynical about the starfleet replicators being better having you know been in the military and knowing that military Mm -hmm. grade means lowest common uh, or lowest price to yeah, lowest bidder, lowest bid. <laughs> um, maybe Starfleet uh, replicators are generic brand, you know, yeah. so it's like the generic brand food that's kind of bland and not as good as the name brand. And so, you know, maybe <laughs> right. that's the problem there. Yeah. The store brand of, uh, of cereal. Yeah. Yeah. Like that sort of stuff. <laughs> that, that's funny. It's like so, in the movie, in the movie repo man, where food comes in tin cans in white, you know, white, white label tin cans it yep. just says food on it and <laughs> yeah. like, put that on a plate son you'll enjoy it more <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh that should do it for this time we'd love to do we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of star trek including mihoville p paula c les h andrew g and john s 
Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. This StarQuest show is also brought to you in part by Jacqueline Brown, the best-selling author of The Light Series. Check out her new release, Altered, on Amazon or any fine bookstore. Learn more about her and her work at sqpn.com slash brown. So we would love to hear what you thought of A Mathematically Perfect Redemption. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com, or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Lower Decks. And until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, live long and prosper, and caw, caw! <laughs> <laughs> That was quite startling. Father Corey thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. Remember, that's a mathematically perfect name. We can do awful things together. <laughs>